<laughs> don't. Do we have to start there? Of course Please. we do. Why? <laughs> we just, move just, on. Just remind me who you picked to win the titles at Wimbledon. <laughs> um, uh, Djokovic. <laughs> no, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, didn't. At the beginning of the year, I picked Djokovic. No, no, no. Last week, if people rewind, can you rewind a podcast? If you go to a certain bit of it, your predictions... Well, wow. there's no need to. Oh, fine, I'll be honest. Uh, just remind, remind me. pass. <laughs> oh. Didn't go well. Didn't go well. And <laughs> um, Ostrenko. That went even worse. Yeah, that was- <laughs> <laughs> Look, now, I have never shied away from the fact that my record of predictions is absolutely shambolic. I 100% realise <laughs> that it is not my strong suit. I don't know why. I think, may, well, actually, maybe I do know why. I try to be a bit different. And the trouble is... <laughs> we haven't really, well, last week, I was pushed into Sitsipas because... <laughs> but, okay, I know I'm going to be interested to hear how this happened. <laughs> because yes. we had because I was saying that I didn't want one of the big three to win, and you said, "Well, who then?" And obviously, there just isn't anybody else. How does that push you into it? You said, "I don't want one of the big three so Yeah, that was your choice. Yes, but that that there is are what, a lot that was of what other people in the tournament other than Stefano Sitsipas. Yeah, maybe should have been like an Anderson or something. Uh, yeah. And the Ostapenko one, look, it's either first round or she takes the title, right? So, you know, it was 50-50. <laughs> Didn't go well. Mine is still in. Who's someone, you got, actually... You got, Djokovic, boring, someone and... On, someone on Twitter, Reggie on Twitter, I don't know if you're listening or if you do listen, Reggie, wrote a list of everyone's predictions. And I don't know where he got mine from. Um, he said, oh, Gigi's predictions to win Wimbledon. Nadal... And I want to say possibly Svitolina or something. And I was like, no. Oh, no, you've never done that. No, I know, I've, I've never done that. I'll defend you here. It's <laughs> never happened. And so, so then I, I thought, no, that definitely wasn't. So Djokovic, which is very boring, and um, Karolina Pliskova. Okay. That's which, all right. Which is still ke- taking a little bit of a risk, seeing as though until last year, in seven attempts, you'd only got to the second round. Yeah. So that's still, it's not like I'm picking someone who's either won it before or got to the semi-finals. Yeah. Um, and she didn't look great in her first round, to be honest. I must all say. right. Just because your players are out. <laughs> <laughs> what was the other one? Djokovic. Yeah. Oh, he was rubbish. There's no way he can win. No, he's not got a chance. Well, I'm going to do better than your players. <laughs> well, you already have. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got to do anything I can to knock your confidence here. But uh, no, I think Djokovic is a good shout. Pliskova is, I, I think it's a strong shout. But uh, look, she didn't look her best, but she'd just come off the back of winning in Eastbourne. She had to play on the first day. She was one of the early matches in the day as well. And she didn't really want to play on the first day. So but you can understand. Did either of us pick... Coco Golf? No. No? Well, I think she was in with a chance in that match. Well, not for the title, obviously not, but to play Venus, I think uh, I always thought that she'd be in with a chance. I mean, she is just quality. At 15 years old, she is an extraordinary When did you turn professional? 16. 16 years old. And what was it like at 16 being professional and going to tournaments? It was... I don't know. I mean, when you're young, you just don't really think about it. That's the thing. You just kind of get on and, and do it. It's, it's your job. It's been your life for ages. So you just... It's normal. Yeah. It's just... It, well, it's not normal playing against Venus Williams. That's one of her heroes. <laughs> and of course, Venus is just so, so much older than she is. There's such a massive difference. It's almost like different eras playing against each other. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. You just kind of take everything in your stride. I mean, Coco 
has pretty much. She looks absolutely fine. She's still in the tournament, still going. I mean, she didn't even know she was in qualifying until a couple of days before. She got a wild card into qualifying, came through her matches there, uh, and then taken out Venus. She hasn't taken out a seed because uh, Venus wasn't seeded, but uh, it's still. Well, she's taken out five-time champion. Well, it's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? And one of her absolute heroes. And you can see so many of the similarities, can't you? Yeah, I, she. Um, for me, she's 15. She's managed by Roger Federer's agency. She's part of Team Moratoglu because she's trained mm. at Patrick Moratoglu's ah, academy like since people, she was 10. It's almost like people knew she was good. <laughs> I mean, there have been a few mumblings about that in the past. <laughs> sorry, sorry, carry on. <laughs> but she, for me, though, you can be good at that age, but then you step out onto a court like number one court against a player like Venus Williams and she said that Serena and Venus basically the reason she started playing tennis and why she picked up a tennis racket and to have the mental strength to be up against these people your idols and your heroes and to stay so strong she did not wobble I mean it was for me that was of course she's got the game she's not going to come through qualifying if she hasn't got some kind of game or be managed by Roger Federer's agency but for me it was the composure 15 I don't think I'd have had any of that sort of composure what is composure? No, 15 no. year old doesn't know what composure is. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I mean, I think looking back on my big matches, I'd say I had composure to an extent. I mean, when I played against Venus on centre, uh, that was. I mean, I, I just didn't think I was going to be I able like to play. I like the fact you can say that. I mean, I'll never be able to say a sentence <laughs> like that on this podcast. Well, I said it kind of slowly because as I was saying it, I realised it's quite a kind of a. Oh, she played Venus. I played Venus. We're pretty no, much you the same. Did. You did. So say it. You have. If if you've done something like that, you have to say it. Yeah, but I didn't win. But still, you were in a position. You you were better. You were on centre court, not number one court. Well, that's because she was defending champion. Yeah, but don't add those things in. Okay, so well, you're ruining a good story. Right. <laughs> she's defending champion. Uh, but I, before going on to court, I genuinely thought I was not going to be able to walk through those doors. I just, my legs just wouldn't move. They just wouldn't move. I had Venus to the left of me doing her kind of stretches, very, of course, imposing and intimidating as a as a figure. And then on the, to the right, and you had the trophies behind her, and then to the right, you had the the board with all of the winners names and next to me was just v williams v williams v williams she'd won it quite a few times by that point she ended up going on to win it this is in 2008 she won it that year as well defending her 2007 title so it was it was slightly intimidating and i just kind of inside felt quite meek and like i did not belong there at all and i uh, yeah i just didn't think i was going to be able to walk onto court but then i don't know something happens firstly the courts particularly center i've also played on one and you you can't play badly if you think about it how often does somebody not i mean the top people who the top players who are used to it they play badly but that's because they do these big courts all the time but any of these kind of players I was a wild card you know Coco whoever it is I mean very rarely do people go on and play badly and the reason is I don't know what it is it's like everything is just so much more crisp you can just see things and you I just had a match where honestly I was just swinging and the ball was just going I broke her in the first game that was hilarious and <laughs> I was running back to my chair and just laughing just literally laughing did going. you do that kind of sprint back to the chair oh, yeah, like, yeah this is great I'm pumped and I've yeah. broken her I did a little bit of a jog and I was trying so desperately to act like I belonged there and I just couldn't stop myself from smiling because I just won the first game <laughs> and um, yeah but as I say there's something about the courts I mean it's very big uh, particularly at Wimbledon it's different to other 
slams or big tournaments and that the, the backboarding is just green it's a very clear green the ball stands out so much I mean the green of the court it was the first round of the tournaments so it's not worn out or anything just everything is just so crisp you, you feel like you could shut your eyes and just swing and, and it feels really good now I, I did alright it wasn't good enough to beat the defending champion but, uh, but you were beaten right. by the eventual winner which yes. is sometimes people say oh yeah but I lost to, I lost to the winner so that's yeah. You oh, oh right. You her. could take you could take that yeah. that tactic. I was beaten by the person who won the tournament. So yeah, no. she beat Serena in the final, and actually, I think, if I'm correct, I think I was the only one to take her to a tiebreak. So you're on that list when you look down. Oh, Venus won this. Bang, bang, bang. These are the people she beat. There's your name. It's not oh, like yeah. she went out in the third round, and we're not going to look at that because that was a third round exit, and you were in the first round. It's wow, this was her run to the final and to the trophy. Yeah, and you know when you get the the media notes, and whenever I'm commentating on a Venus match, particularly at Wimbledon, and it, it has all the rec- the previous results at the tournament, and you're kind of scrolling through. Oh, look, that's me. There you go, N Cavade. <laughs> that was me on the way to the title. Uh, but uh, no, I mean it was uh, an amazing experience. So I, I felt like that match, I was quite composed uh, again the year before that I played against Hingis I was very composed in that match as well that was a big deal she was the 11th seed um, I was a wild card there and I was, well, I was composed up until a point until I lost those two match points and then composure went out the window and I didn't win another game but for the most part <laughs> it was it was fine it was fine let me ask you about Naomi Osaka it's starting to become a little bit of a, a head scratcher really or or is it normal that she's had this astonishing breakthrough, winning US Open, winning Australia, world number one. Is it normal that something like this had to happen or are you a little bit surprised, maybe especially in the manner of the first round defeat? It's, I wouldn't say that it's normal. I think it's it's definitely a little concerning. Um, just You just want her to be all right really I mean she just seems a bit lost doesn't she I mean it's not only just being lost with her game she's lost with everything I mean you cannot imagine the level of pressure on her in in being Japanese and everything that comes with it you know okay yes she's earning a lot of money so that makes life a little bit easier but it's I, I, I don't know she's just she's just a bit all over the place isn't she I mean with the way that she's speaking she left her press conference she didn't really want to answer any more questions and you can see in her game she has doesn't have the direction at the moment I mean everything is just it's hard to put your finger on what it is really I mean we, we don't know you don't know unless you sit down with Naomi and she has an honest conversation with you which as much as you're lovely she's not going to do <laughs> quite frankly even though you're one of the best interviewers I ever I've no, known no no I'm not I'm not and no, that, look that would be a hard conversation to have with her imagine if you're sent in as a member of the press and sometimes you get sent in you have to ask difficult questions because you need those answers and that's why this person is in front of you that'd be quite true because as you said she asked the moderator at her press conference if she could leave because she thought she was going to cry and yeah. that is the sort of weight of everything that it's sitting on Osaka's shoulders at the moment yeah it's it's just a lot isn't it it's I don't know it's one of those things where I don't want to you know be all kind of dramatic about it and say oh she needs to hit rock bottom but she she needs to get to the point where there's no where she doesn't feel that weight of pressure and she can actually enjoy it again because she just she's miserable she's she's not enjoying playing I think if I was rock bottom I think I would feel the, the pressure 
I think it's got to be somewhere in between. I think rock bottom's quite dramatic. <laughs> if I was rock bottom, I think I'd feel worse. Well, yeah. I mean, look, she's clearly just not enjoying things. And it's it's so easy when you do well to take it for granted and to think that you're just going to kick on. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where no matter what you achieve, I think all players believe they're going to achieve more. Every single one. And I don't think anyone will tell you that when they uh, achieved their pinnacle of their career, so when you look back on it, they knew that was it. Other than, I mean, probably even Roger Federer, to be honest. Um, Maybe winning slams and things, you have a bit of a feeling. Um, But the majority of players, if they get to the semi-final of a slam, will they'll go okay great I'm going to make the final next time and I'm, I'm going to I'm going to win next time they know they're in the mix somebody like an Ostapenko when she won French Open all she could say was kind of like this is my first one of many more that was her attitude which of course is the attitude you need to have but with players they always look ahead and they're always looking to develop and you never ever know when your peak happens you just assume there's going to be more um, and you know it, it, she has to face the the reality that that might be it like that it might be I don't think it will be but it it, it might I've be to a couple of people that think it might be it which mm. is astonishing to think I mean she's the age of 21 we've seen when you've seen what someone can achieve then you can't quite figure out why they couldn't achieve it again was it just that the stars aligned and that was her moment and they were her few months or because if you've done it before you, you then wonder how can you not repeat that yeah, and, and it's something that I think a lot of people in the media and a lot of fans don't really understand. But remember Andy Murray talking about it before he won Wimbledon. The reason he won is because he he actually realised that he might never win it. The final might be the closest he ever gets. That actually, it is really tough. It's beyond tough. And you might dedicate your entire life and have never won it. You think about the David Ferrers. He never, okay, he wasn't in the same league as Andy Murray, but you know he's an unbelievable player that never managed to win a slam. And the final was his pinnacle but he would have been feeling like you know what I'm knocking on the door I'm hanging around I'm going to get a breakthrough at some point like Cilic did like Del Potro did but it didn't come for Ferrer and that's just he he didn't know that when he made the final of the French he did not think that that was the best it was going to get because otherwise you've got no motivation to continue you know and also you never know like I thought I was going to play until my 30s I mean I've only just turned 30 I should have another five years left of my career but actually I retired nine years ago I didn't know my career was going to come to an end like that so you just you don't know how things are going to pan out and but when we say like that might be it for Osaka I, I think what we mean is the pinnacle yeah. not necessarily oh, yeah, no, she's not going to quit <laughs> she's done <laughs> no I don't think so but it's it's something um as I say you only you only really appreciate it when you're done and you know that you can't quite achieve that anymore but at the time as I say maybe Federer thought that he had reached the pinnacle when he won Wimbledon five times but then he's just happened to win it a few more uh, same for Nadal uh, in Roland Garros you don't know but you just can't take anything for granted having not reached your pinnacle in predictions um, <laughs> it's coming a double first round exit would you want another go because we're still in the first round I feel <laughs> I feel I feel there's scope for you to have another go because we haven't even started the second round yet do you want another well, go come on <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's slightly cheating. Well, can I have... Look, I picked Djokovic at the beginning of the year, so surely I can just have that. I so picked why that did for you my... change? Because I didn't... Because remember the conversation we had? Listen to the podcast, Gigi. Why are you not a tennis <laughs> listener? I, because I wanted I somebody who them. wasn't from the top three to win. Well, you've still got options below the top three. 
Oh, but do I? <laughs> Have you looked at the draw, Gigi? Well, Have you the, looked in, at the draw? In the background, Rafa Nadal has just won. Well, he's not in. He's well, he is in top three, but he's just, not outside. Just top in three. seedings, just. Just yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, look, the only person you could I could possibly imagine now really is Anderson. Do you, do you want him? Or do you want to move back into the top three? No, I think I'm going to go back to Djokovic. Okay, and please. and the women's draw? Who oh would you like? my. Um, <laughs> whoever I pick is just going to lose, aren't they? So, oh, I don't, well, don't know. Don't pick Pliskova then. <laughs> Stay okay. away from my pick. <laughs> um, Barty looked good, but will number one bring with it a bit more pressure? I feel like there's a potential matchup between her and Vekic in the fourth round if Vekic can get past Risk, which might prove a bit of difficulty. Why are you picking the toughest section of the draw? Why are you <sighs> picking the group right, of death? Fine. Do you know what? Serena. Okay. Fine. So you're staying in the group of death. Right, fine. <laughs> well, um, can, we, can we talk about Kyle? <laughs> Kyle? Kyle Edmund? No. No, much more important Kyle. I know, I know exactly the Kyle you mean. Very exciting. We, we've just had, we've been approached by a fan to tell us, just before we started recording, that he's a fan of tennis. Of tennis? Yes. We have a listener. <laughs> we, have, we have one, and not only a listener, a fan as well. That's great. He said he was a fan of, uh, of tennis. Well, actually, we were walking together, and let's be honest, he came up to Gigi and said, I said, oh, you Gigi? And you said, yes. <laughs> and he said, I love your podcast, Tennis. So I just kind of stood there like a lemon. Not, not I felt like <laughs> I should introduce you at some point and <laughs> give it a couple of minutes. So they say, oh, it's Naomi. <laughs> exactly. So, but that's great. So, some really nice things about the. Kyle pod. is over from Chicago. Yes. He's here every day until Sunday. Loves his tennis. Wisely says that Indian Wells is up there with his favourite tournaments. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. This Very is his first time choice. at Wimbledon, and first he said he's been blown away by the tournament uh, and what it is. I mean, I think it's it's everything that you kind of imagine it to be the way it comes across for those of you who've never been here the way it comes across on tv that the quintessentially british the english garden sort of vibe strawberries strawberries pims. the grass courts the pims it it just is that and every year I, I don't know about you but every year i come i'm probably just as blown away as kyle is because there are always improvements we've got the new number one court which kind of looks like a sleek spaceship now in the middle of uh, of um, the grounds but I mean it, it's impressive isn't it every year yeah it's it's they keep it, it's impressive because they keep changing and developing but it still looks the same which I love it, it looks like Wimbledon is frozen in time yeah. from the flowers to everything so perfectly manicured but as you say there's there's a roof on here other bits and pieces have been changed they're adapting things they're approving areas but at the same time when you walk through the gates it's the Wimbledon that you know and love and that you come back to every year. And I think what's great is meeting people like Kyle, of course, because he likes the podcast, but meeting people who are coming here for the first time. Yeah. And getting their reaction. Because it's so cool. Is it as good as they thought? Yes. Chances are it's a little bit better. I've never heard of anyone who's come here and been like, meh, it's all right. I mean, everybody's just so, so impressed. And honestly, I cannot think of any event in the world where they would have more attention to detail than, than this place that is that's one of their USPs and, and really it is outstanding and and we notice it I think uh, year on year as you say I mean the developments are incredible and it's so modern but still so traditional it's just um, yeah uh, uh, as I say I mean look, it's the best it's the best place it's my favourite place in the world Um, a wonderful Federer fanatic in the crowd and she had a, 
a lady from from Asia and she had a, a Swiss flag mm. and she had a red t-shirt with the RF logo on it and every time he won a point she alternated between flag t-shirt flag t-shirt and he lost the first set to Lloyd Harris she the visor came off she was absolutely in pieces she didn't know whether to wave the flag or the t-shirt or nothing but I think her t-shirt waving got a little bit excessive because one of the stewards came and just quietly in a very Wimbledon way just had a quiet chat with her and demonstrated Wimbledon <laughs> flag waving so showed her how the flag should be waved because I think she was clonking the people in front of her uh, well that's not, point, not cool is it she was desperately trying to get his attention but unfortunately for her she was sat basically behind him so when he sat down right. so there was no way unless he stood up and turned around and she was desperate to get his attention so they just had a little word and, and I was saying when we were on air and we've done this tournament together uh, Shanghai Masters I love the fans out there. Absolutely love the fans and all the banners. And the best banner, probably in world tennis. I'd love someone if, if someone thinks there's a better one, then then get in touch, send us a tweet that said, "I love Federer more than free Wi-Fi." Yeah, well, and that has to be because we love free Wi-Fi. Uh, Who doesn't love free Wi-Fi? Well, quite. And I would say to that person, that is a mistake. <laughs> you should definitely value free Wi-Fi above <laughs> your fandom for Roger Federer. <laughs> they are quite fanatic, aren't they? So, so I. I've been watching a lot of the Brits here. Yes. Brit Watch, of course. And good friend Harriet Dart came through her match, which was good, a bit of a roller coaster match. But did you see who was watching her? The Duchess of Cambridge. Amazing. That huh? is. Just and on court 14, tiny court. And wasn't she told, was she told just before she went out? Yeah, I think so. I the mean, umpire I, said I, it to her as well. I like, just wouldn't, why would you tell someone that? I mean, just to add a bit of, I would have then just frozen completely I know I couldn't believe how well she did with it but it's so funny because whenever the umpire talks and they go through the list of questions or not not list of questions but list of rules at the beginning of matches and you think you know they're saying Hawkeye three challenges I mean this is like this is not new information for these players and you're thinking especially when you get to like the semi-final stage of a tournament you think there's nothing new you can be telling these people like just just toss the coin and get on with it um, apart from in Australia actually because in Australia it's the first big tournament tournament of the year and they do have to run through a lot of rules because rules do change particularly the cramping rule so when I was we have the the heat heat rule rule as well but the the cramping rule for me every year it was different one year you're allowed treatment for cramping the other year you weren't the next year you're allowed uh, one treatment or you're allowed massage or you're allowed uh, anyway it just changed every single year so you didn't know what was going on Um, but other than that you just think well here we are again and they say right you know and and they they even say things like we've got lines judges and ballers yeah like everywhere okay (laughs) thanks for that information and there's always any question and it's always nope no questions but for the first time ever something quite new which is we've got the Duchess of Cambridge watching this match today so just letting you know were they were they telling them just they didn't swear or something I mean I can't understand the reason for telling them because I think that would have just made the players that I mean it's wonderful that she was there but that would have just made me if I was playing a lot more nervous so I, 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 I'm wondering if they thought someone's suddenly going to would she sit by a Nick Kyrgios match because there's sort of expletives and stuff so I'm just wondering well, if that's the reason but, it, bothered, but, but would that have been the reason they told the players I bet she likes a good swear but we- <laughs> <laughs> but, you, but why would you announce that? Well, I suppose because in case there's a bit of a hubbub that goes around or, you know, somebody might, there, there might be some noise or people are going to be taking pictures of the cameras, shockingly, aren't facing the players. <laughs> They're facing the crowd. And I don't know. You know, it probably would have had a different feel to it, I think. And 
Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe. She then went to the Duchess of Cambridge, went to the practice courts. Yes. And had a little look around, had a conversation with Johanna Conter mm. and just had a little wander around because these first few days at, at Orangi are just heaving with the mm. great and the good. Yeah, and you know what? I think it's actually quite... It's great to have a royal so involved because other than uh, the Duke of Kent, who's always been the patron of Wimbledon and loves his tennis, it... It, it basically hasn't, you know, the, the royal family haven't been involved. If you think in her entire reign, the Queen has been twice. The year that Virginia Wade won it, and then um, a, a little while ago. Well, I, oh, I remember when the Queen paid a visit recently, and I'm, I'm, mm. I'm so bad with dates. The two things I can't do are dates and birthdays. Like six, seven get, years ago. No, maybe longer than that, because I was playing. If you told me now, tell me when my birthday is. Oh, we'll never do a podcast again. This will be our last podcast. I'm so bad with birthdays. Really? I, I don't... Your I, own birthday? No, I've got my own oh, birthday. Oh, I thought you no, didn't know your birthday. Your birthday. Oh. So I can't... I'm hmm. not sure what month it's in. What month's your birthday? Oh, that's disappointing. Uh, <laughs> what month are we in now? July? Yes. Yeah, it's July. Your birthday? Yeah. What date is it? Today? No, second. Yes, yeah, it's, oh, it's on the third. <laughs> no, it's not. Where's my present? <laughs> Third of July. Uh, yeah, but the, Are you but, ready? But the awful thing is, I know it's not, and yet there's a little bit of me that's slightly concerned. <laughs> but when the um, when the Queen paid a visit, the big thing about when royals and things, it's it's outfit describing. So Tony right. Livesey on Five Lives Day, he was at the practice courts, and he said, he said for those who are interested, and it was quite straightforward today, it's a white dress with black buttons, yeah. which is, is perfect, that was exactly what. But I remember, I, I think I was on, on Royal Watch with, with a colleague, this is when I worked for... Radio Wimbledon and we had to describe the outfit and I'm so bad you've been with me in commentary boxes at colours I am just so bad yeah, I don't bad know what you're talking about at sometimes colours. <laughs> at colours and descriptions and I think it was this kind of green colour but you can't just say that it's the queen you can't say I think it's a kind of green colour mm. whereas you can do that with shirts and kits and whatever throughout the year and I think it may be the most pressure I've ever <laughs> felt at tennis one. it's like okay Gigi we're coming to you next you pick up and then she was walking down towards where the, the media centre is just alongside court 14 if people know Wimbledon and past court 18 and I had the, the length of that walk and it was quite a slow walk to describe the Queen's outfit and it just happened to be one of these shades of blue or green or oh it was it, it wasn't the finest moment uh, well, you know, you're not very good with colours, I can, I can tell you that. But don't you think it is a bit odd that she's only been twice? I mean, it's Wimbledon. It, as you say, it's quintessentially British. But she doesn't it's have to right be a tennis fan, does she? Well, no, and but she's you'd... very busy. Imagine all the requests. You Two. Get, you get a couple of busy weeks a year here when you get to go into lovely areas dressed very smart. She gets that every day. Every day. She's, yeah. They're turning away people who, with, you know, saying, sorry, I'm afraid she can't, she's busy. So... Can it, she probably just wants to put her feet up and watch it. But she's been twice in her entire reign. And you keep saying that, but I don't know. It's I, only twice. <laughs> How many <laughs> times? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like once a decade would have been would be more appropriate. But what if she's not a tennis fan? Well, anyway, Kate is yes, a sorry, tennis yes. fan, and yes. so is Kate's sister, Pippa. So they come quite a lot. So we have some royal presence, and of course we have the Duke of Kent as well. It'd be great if your sibling was a patron of Wimbledon. Brilliant. Yeah, that'd be cool. Absolutely brilliant. I'll try and work my way towards that. Can you do that? Well, you haven't invited me into any nice areas, so I'm not sure it'll make a damn bit of difference. Well, you know, whoever I invite in reflects on me, so... (laughs) Uh, That's the last podcast. We've made it to a year. (laughs) We shall go no further. This is our year... year, I think our year anniversary is next week. It is, but can I give you a present now? We've been talking about presents. (laughs) Come on. When is your birthday, by the way? 
It's not birthday. tomorrow. It's in April. It's happened. Was it? it was my 30th. Yeah, you missed it. <gasps> I remember? bought you some flowers. Yeah, you did actually. I did it's very nice. Some. I've been forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> it was very nice. I've missed your birthday for the last three years because I can't remember one of them. So I must have... you can't remember one of them? It's the same date each year. <laughs> yeah, but I can't remember you having a birthday in the last three years. I have years, one so every I've, year. But I'm saying I must have missed it because I've forgotten it. <laughs> and I remembered your birthday this year. You did because I told you. I'm sure I must tell you when my birthday is, don't I? <laughs> so I haven't got you a present because it's next week. That's fine. Well, I got a present for both of us. I ordered these things together. It's the same thing, but one for you, one for me, so we could be matching. But they came separately. So I got one delivered but because it's too bulky to go through my letterbox. Um, the other one, I can't quite locate it. It's at one of the neighbours on the street somewhere. <laughs> I haven't been able to find it. So because I'm so lovely, I'm going give to you, give you your one. And I will scramble around and try and try Is and it? find try and find my one. I'm handing Gigi her box. It Have says you fragile. It? Have you opened yeah, my so present? You've opened my present was. already. It's it has fragile on it. <laughs> <laughs> and Gigi's opening it. And what is it? It's a mug with tennis on. It's a mug with <laughs> tennis on it. See? I was really Look worried. Look at that. I was really worried it was going to be a t-shirt with our faces on. No. Oh, no. Well, the next one will be a mug with our faces That's on. That's quite a tasteful mug. It's good, isn't it? I thought it wasn't too kind of garish. You could you could drink out of that and not feel too uncomfortable. My children will break that. Okay, well. Not on purpose. Oh, I should have got a plastic one. You know, I said, um, I said, oh, I might be late back because we're at Wimbledon. People haven't heard the noise and the calls and the bits and pieces. And so I said, I'm going to the boys. I said, I'm going to be late back. Mummy's going to be late back this evening. And I said, oh, you're at tennis. I mean, they really don't like tennis. <laughs> oh, you're at tennis. Um, they did come to a first tennis tournament, Eastbourne, last week. They made it down there. Um, and, they, and I said, yes, I'm at tennis. Oh, is the tennis still going? I said, no, I'm doing my podcast. And they looked at me saying, you're doing your podcast. And I said, I don't know what that is. I'm doing a podcast. So I had this conversation, very surreal conversation about seven o'clock in the morning. And I'm saying, I'm doing a podcast. And they're going, podcast 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 I said I'll see you later (laughs) so it was very surreal at that time in the morning so they knew I was gonna and I'm gonna take this back and see this is why I was late you can show them it is a a mug tasteful with the tennis logo which is I mean it's not the most creative of logos we must say should we should we should we put a should we put a picture of that on Twitter yes it's got a fly on it oh definitely it's got a bug on it can you get rid of it that's because it's so attractive obviously isn't it there we go thank you (laughs) it's very nice I'm getting some looks from people as they walk past not only because we're holding microphones, but also I'm now holding an empty mug, sort of swinging it around. Well, do you know what? Now that we've had uh, Kyle, Kyle tell us that he's a fan, I feel like everybody looking at us just must be a fan, and they must be looking at us going, ooh, there's tennis being recorded. Hold the mug up, show them. Go on, <laughs> give the people what they want, Gigi. <laughs> just Why is this woman waving an empty mug on this? And you've put us on some slope. Which oh. I'm <laughs> have you noticed that I'm slipping down? <laughs> We had this argument because I was saying to Gigi, let's just let's just sit on this slope. This is fine. It's a grassy slope. It's relatively steep, but we'll be fine. And Gigi kept saying, no, I'm going to slide down. I'm going to slide down. And I said, you're being ridiculous. You said, do you understand? No, no, no. The exact comment was, do you understand how gravity works? <laughs> but as this podcast has gone on, I, I was sat next to you. I'm now sat where your feet are. And so I've, 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 I've firmly... <laughs> I'm just slipping down. I'm honestly going to roll off now. It, it almost makes me want to keep recording and see if you end up down there. I just, I just, look, I'm now looking up there like you. How has this happened? Oh, I'm genuine. I'm going to have grass stains on my bum. Look how far away we are now. 
<laughs> that's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> oh, you've oh. stayed still though. I told you you'd be fine. Well, no, it's because I was worried about sliding off. <laughs> I, says, I think the fact we're now laughing with microphones and you've slid down the hill is drawing more attention. <laughs> I'm glad that we've got long cables because I'm, I'm going to end up down on you the path. You just look really little. <laughs> Minute match against yours. Fit one set yeah. took eighteen minutes. How? He, I just. Yeah. No, there are some question marks there, aren't there? Really. Um. I don't know. It's it's very it's it's difficult, as you say. I, I just don't I don't like seeing players struggle. You know, there are so many difficulties with this life that people just don't understand. And you know, we've covered a fair amount of them uh, through. You're putting your mug away, <laughs> way well, away from know, you. The fact that you've slid down the hill, I don't want my mug to slide down the hill because that would end badly. <laughs> You'd uh, bounce off. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just want everybody to be... Uh, uh, yeah, I just want everyone to be okay. You know, I have my own struggles and that's why I kind of ended my career. I'm really far away from you now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know how why? this is happening. Why, why do you keep sliding? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe these trousers are particularly smooth. <laughs> Right, okay, I'm going to carry on. Gigi, you compose yourself, come on. Pull yourself together. Um, yeah, but as I say, you know, I've, I've talked about a few of the, the, the different difficulties, but it's just it's just really hard. Like, it's, it's not an easy life. And do you know what I've actually found? And I kind of hate to say this a bit, because I actually feel like it's a little bit negative towards the life of being a professional tennis player, but there are a lot of players, I won't name any of them, but a lot of former players who have achieved some great things. We're talking top 10, top 20 level players that you know I've had the privilege of working with recently and when they stop playing and you start actually spending time with your friends and family and actually really building those connections because you've basically been on tour from the age of 15 11 months of the year you know whenever you see like um bands doing a chat show or whatever and they they say like oh yeah you know we're, we're on a world tour for a year and you know the chat show host is kind of like oh my word i hope you get a break after that and they say well actually no we're then going to do this or that or yeah i'm going to take a year off and you just think we're ultimately on a world tour for 11 months of the year every single year like it's actually kind of mind-blowing when you when you really think about it and of course the demands to perform to such a high level but you you can't have those relationships and actually it's one of the things that Nick Kyrgios has talked about the fact that he did not get to spend as much time with his grandmother before she died um, through playing tennis and he was like I just really can't reconcile that the fact is that I made the choice to do this and it meant that I did not spend as much time with her or speak to her as much as I would have if I had been at home going to uni in Australia and doing what kind of normal people his age would have been doing and, and I think he found that really really hard and it was, maybe it was the beginning actually of his real struggles I mean he's always had struggles but anyway so a few of these players I'd say maybe four players now who as I say have been up at a top 20 level very successful careers look back on it they don't regret it don't get me wrong absolutely no regret whatsoever but they look back on it and they either say like oh wow I mean how did I do that or actually like I'm glad I didn't know what I was missing because now I'm with my friends and family I can actually live a normal life and I can actually really enjoy things and it, it's it's amazing like, I don't want to leave it like this is what I've been kind of waiting for and it, it is almost like you put your life on hold um you it know. is like you're starting when you finish playing I don't know say you finish playing at uh, 30 and 
and I've spoken to players who've finished playing and they're telling me, oh, I'm, I'm meeting up with my, I don't know, best friend. Oh, wow, have you known them since, I don't know, nursery or preschool? Oh, no, no, just for 18 months. And that their best friend is from their post-tennis life. Yes. Because their whole tennis, as you have said, has been it's on the road and moving and competing against these people. And so these friends who have got this life they're living is a, is a post playing tennis life it's almost like two which is frightening but it's two completely different lives oh completely and actually it's something that it is quite um it is quite extraordinary and uh, you know on my hendu on my hendu everybody there i've met within the last five years i wasn't invited you weren't you were busy working on roland garros <laughs> being a big shot this is why you have fans gigi because you you do big shot sort of stuff hey um is this the time to tell you i still haven't booked my accommodation if you're waiting? <laughs> you really don't want to come no, do you? I, I genuinely do i just genuinely haven't right okay good to know yeah, but I'll be there. Will you? <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> I will be there, but I just haven't booked accommodation yet. Okay, all right, okay. Well, I look forward to but seeing it, you there and sleeping in the field. I was going to say, it's on a farm, right? But yeah, I mean, if it's nice weather, you can just sleep in the field. I imagine that's the hardest thing for tennis players or former tennis players to do is book your wedding to get as many people from within the sort, whether they're playing or working on it. It could be line judges, it could be chair umpires, it could be in the media, but because there are very tiny windows unless you want to win to wedding in a tennis year yeah pretty much after Wimbledon is very popular um, also after US Open and then the end of the year if you want a kind of a Christmassy wedding but the, also you can maybe do February um, February sort of time or April um, so there are a couple of little gaps no not February April what am I talking about February April basically you okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. We're Some, only on day two. Sometimes I just leave it. Is it only day two? Yeah, sometimes I, I just leave you to it. But anyway, I mean, look, what I was trying to say is that it, it is a very real thing, I think, putting your life on hold. And it's something that I've, as I say, I've spoken to a lot of former players and they feel like their life has actually started after tennis. And it's not to say they didn't enjoy their life, but, you know, look, all of the most successful people in the world and people who have earned millions, they'll all tell you, I mean, most people seem to say, I'm sure there's a few that don't, but most people seem to say, you know, life is about the relationships you make, the the friendships, um, the love that you feel, all of that sort of stuff. And it's very difficult when you are just constantly on a world tour from the age of being a teenager to pretty much being a 30 year old and then well maybe even 35 now now it's looking like it's going to be 40 so it's such a huge chunk of time and it's um you know it can be incredibly challenging really and it's something that I felt massively and it, it was something that really contributed to my um my stress and difficulties with life on the tour was that I actually was kind of like I don't want to wait until I'm in my 30s to kind of you know have real friendships and real relationships and that sort of stuff you know I I didn't I felt really isolated and I was like well I I have to just be isolated so I'm in my mid-30s is that the deal and look of course it is possible we see players they get married and they have families and relationships of course it is but it's very difficult yeah it's hard because it's it's incessant I mean, we love it because we get to see tennis all year round. But if you're in it, it's tournament to tournament and it's moving on and it's the next one. I mean, some will look at it and say, well, I'm very lucky because I had this one life when I travelled the world and I went to amazing places. And if you're at a certain level, you get looked after and, and you've got wonderful amounts of money. That means you don't have to work. And then when you retire, you can have that second life where you're comfortable because of the money you made 
in your first life, as it were, and you build friends. So, so there's, I guess there's, some will look at it like that and say that I was able to have this life because of that life. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even players who are not massively successful and earn lots of money feel like that. I mean, even I feel like that. My life now as a commentator, I have a job that I absolutely love and adore and I get to sit at Wimbledon and I went to Roland Garros. I mean, it's amazing. And that has come off the back of me playing. So, of course, you know, I'm very happy with how the the second life as you put it um it is working out but as i say i mean it was a massive surprise to me that the first one ended at 21 i like i didn't realize that i I didn't see that coming uh and uh yeah so you kind of have to adapt but i feel like it's a very um it's something that's not really spoken about and do you know what the majority of tennis players are not leaving the sport with a lot of money um they're not leaving with enough to live off anyway for the rest of their lives you know they have to figure out things and that is sometimes the hardest time to figure out who you are without tennis because it's been your entire life it's been your dna and i spent i spent years trying to separate myself from it and work out kind of who I was rather than who the tennis player Naomi Cavadé was. Um, and I've really just came to the conclusion that actually, you know, it's just part of me. There's, there's no, there is no separating it. It's, it's been my entire life and my passion. And actually, I like myself when I'm around tennis. You know, I like myself around tennis people. And um, it's, it's in no way a drain on my life. So why would I want to try and separate it? But that was quite difficult, the identity of always being Naomi Cavadé the tennis player and then just suddenly being Naomi and I deliberately went into environments where I didn't tell people what I did and and tried to I found it very uncomfortable because I'd only operated in the tennis world I'd never socialized with people outside of that not since school and so that was really it was just really hard for me when people didn't know I don't know I just didn't have that crutch of them knowing that actually I'm pretty good at tennis so but you didn't allow them to know that no it was deliberate but it was very uncomfortable for me but you think beneficial long term that you did that or I suppose yeah yes you just no. realized that you just realized that actually I like tennis and I want to be part of tennis and, and sort of back you came yeah I just realized that Naomi tennis Naomi tennis <laughs> it's my middle name oh everybody. wow there we go <laughs> oh wow end of day two <laughs> um no but I just realized that Naomi Cavalier the tennis player is absolutely fine like I'm, I'm happy to to be that I mean I'm obviously moving further and further away from the tennis player because it's it's long longer since I played so it's gonna be an old married woman soon <laughs> I know right with the dog with I know can you believe it but you know my playing experience as, as the years go by becomes I suppose slightly less relevant I didn't play right up at the uh, the very You're still going to be on level. those notes here as long as Venus Williams is playing that is true yes um that's very exciting <laughs> no it's more I, than most people can actually ever say something like that no and I'm very proud of it for sure but it is uh yeah as I say I am kind of moving more I suppose I'm I'm doing more and more media work and as I suppose the more I do that the more I'll be known as Naomi Cavadier the commentator rather than the tennis player it's like Sue Barker everybody forgets that she was an absolute legend yeah. playing tennis player but that's only because she's such a good presenter that people and forget and it's different generations it's yes different exactly generations that's what I mean is that you move further and further away from from that don't you as time goes on sorry I'm just waving at Rupert Bell just walked past Rupert what's he eating he's got I think he's got sweets he's got he's I think diving. he's I think, supposed to be in the commentary box no what's I think doing? I think whatever's happening on court 18 and we can't see because well you really can't see because you've slid down the slope but even from my vantage point I can't <laughs> see it, it must I think he must think it's going to be a long one because he's got he's got a bottle of coke 
and he's got a bag of sweets. Should have asked him to take a picture of us so he could, we could demonstrate how far down the slope so I am he's now. Just, yeah, I was wondering, how are we going to document this? We can't ask a stranger to take a photo. Well, just, I, can, I can take a selfie with you at, in the at background. Your, yeah, because yeah. you've now slid down. Okay, should we, are we going to do that? And I'm going to. I'm also going to take an arty shot of the mug. Did you like the mug? No, I love the mug. You I didn't love really it. react to no, it, to be I honest. Love, you just put it back in the box. Well, I'm not, what reaction would you have liked? I don't know. Thank you. I should say thank you. Did I not say thank you? I did well, say thank you. I'm going to listen to this again no, later, <laughs> so we will see. No, you, you edit this. You could edit out the thank you and say, look, she didn't even oh, say thank you. That's a great you. idea. Um, no, thank you. But I... No, I... I, I <laughs> You're welcome. It's... Um, it's tasteful. I like that. Exactly. I was fearful. You've got some strange t-shirts... This is because I wore that t-shirt this week at Eastbourne, didn't I? (laughs) Yes, awful. It it was a t-shirt. You'll find it on Twitter because my lovely commentator, my co-commentator, well, he was my commentator, I was his co-commentator, Adam Fielder. He uh, put a picture up because he was very impressed with my t-shirt attire, which just has a picture of Ainsley Harriet on it multiple times. Ainsley Harriet, it's a great guy. Big but fan. Why? Don't know. And why did you wear it? I mean, there's so many. Qu- I have so many questions for you just about this T-shirt. Okay. So once I saw that picture, I started to get worried about my present. Oh, it, that was it. it was okay. Yeah. Well, that's understandable because no, it is a ridiculous T-shirt. This is this is a, good. No, this is a lovely mug. I'm not sure when we'll ever get a chance to you just adjust yourself on the slope to adjust to drink these. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just now you know when you have to like lean into the slope <laughs> I'm, I'm just kind of leaning I'm just going to remind you that you wanted to sit here I was up for a bench you thought I was a little bit precious wanting to sit on a bench and now you've slid halfway down the slope once again Gigi you are right okay I'm wrong but you know I try Okay, I'm going to go and use my mug Right, thank you for my mug. We, we do well. Let's do the selfie first, and then we've got to go home because uh, we, we've actually we're on a bit of an earlier finish tonight. So we should use that to our advantage because we're not going to get early finish for the rest of the no, time. No, actually, why are we still here? Yeah, okay, right, stop talking. Go. I'm gonna, I've, got, I've got my mug. It's back in its box. You've finished sliding down the slope. Let's flag down Kyle. Maybe he can take a picture. Um, Kyle. No, he's watching the tennis. Nice, no, fine. Look, Fair he's enough. only got a few days before oh, he goes right, home. Fine, he's yeah, just going to watch doesn't the tennis. Waste his time with us. That's um, fine. So I will see you. See you tomorrow? Yes. Yeah. See you in the morning. Thank you for my mug. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> sure.